Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. As I said, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, before I jump in there, one last thing. Jennifer and I, we, in the process of gaining a house, we walked through this one house and the outside of it from the pictures. You know, they used to say a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, now you have filters and all kinds of things that you can do to pictures. And can I tell you, the pictures, they say a lot, but sometimes they lie. And we saw this home online, and I'm two hours away. I'm, I'm scaling through all of these homes and things for sale. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is the home. This is the one. Like, I don't even care. And for a moment, I guess I thought I was wealthy enough to buy a house sight unseen. Let me tell you, it doesn't really matter how much money you have. Please don't try that at home. Okay, (laughs) we came in just a flurry and looked at the home. And from the outside, you know, you show up and the hope, you know, starts to like disseminate. You're like, wow, I didn't see that. And you thought you looked at every angle. And uh, we got through the first floor and I was like, well, I'm handy. I can do a few things. And then we climbed up the stairs, and I'm not a tall person. But the ceiling was low. And, you know, my optimistic perspective said, it won't cost much to heat. (laughs) And besides, by the time I climb these stairs, all I will want to do is be in the bed anyways. We had already placed an offer, and it had already been accepted. That's a sticky situation. And we were leaving, and we're in the car, and we're like laboring. We're like, oh my, what have we done? Maybe we jumped the gun. And so we start to look at our options and things, and I'm thinking, we're going to get hung. We're going to get hung with a home that looked good in pictures, but wasn't really what we had hoped for. And uh, I share that with you because of the challenges that is a real thing as we look at the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of challenges that are given by the writer to believing Christians, primarily new Jewish Jesus-believing Christians. That's the perspective that the writer is giving to us as he shares some things as we read in today's world and we wonder where the, just the relevancy for us is. It helps us to know who this was pointed at to begin with, but then the extenuating relevancies for us. And so I hope to be able to share some of those with us today. In all of our looking at homes, there's some common things for all of us in that. We usually have some specific characteristics that we're looking for. We want to 
house that fits us size-wise. We're looking for a, maybe a specific location. We're concerned about the quality, how it was built. We might have some questions. Maybe how old is this home? Has there been any current upgrades? Maybe past repairs? Who was the builder? Any of those out there that are wondering who the builder was of your home? For some of you, you want to go and tell them how great of a job they did, and for others, you want to check their eyes. But here's what I know is that for some, who the builder was tells them all they really need to know about that home. And here's what's true about every home, no matter where it is, no matter what it has, no matter what condition it's in, and really the thought that I want to circle around today, and it's this, that every house is built by someone. Every house is built by someone. Can you say that with me today? Every house is built by someone. You say, well, that's elementary. I, I know that. It's important that we understand that as we look at our text today. Hebrews chapter 3, we're just going to read the whole thing, so hang on with me. And it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, much more glory, as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast to our confession and boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Because of un, 
belief. We're going to break this chapter down. There's a lot going on in there. But essentially, the big idea is this, that our lives are like a house. In a sense, they've been built and constructed by people, by circumstances, by experiences, and set in different locations at different times. Would you agree with that? Our lives have been built similarly to a house. There are things in our life that have been constructed by either circumstances, surroundings, fears, hopes, dreams, realities, economics in some sense, but a house nonetheless. And today, I would say to each and every one of us that some of us love the way our house is. And some of us think it may need a renovation. But what really matters in the end is to know that God is the builder of everything. And in him, we can have rest. He is our hope. He is our future. And through him, we have an amazing future. It doesn't really matter where you find yourself on the spectrum of this life. Whether you're young, whether you don't feel so young. God still has an amazing future for your life. It is the standing promise of every believer, every child of God. From the foundation of the world, you have been predestined to be a child of God. We know upon accepting his gracious gift through his bloodshed sacrifice on a cross, he bought us an opportunity to not only have a a home, a spiritual inheritance, if you will, in a place far, far away, but here as well. There is something so essential for the human being to know they have a purpose. I think every sin and every lost thing that human beings do is based on that premise. They do not realize their greater purpose. Every late night, every difficult conversation that winds up in disarray is somewhere, somehow, a mistake in understanding God's purpose. What kind of shape is our house in today? I think what we're going to discover today is how We are called not only to be in the house of God, but our lives are to be the house of God. He has called us his house. His house. That's why when we go through this process of salvation, we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he's the one then that gets to decide what happens in the house. We are the house of God. Of the living God. Such a privilege. Question. When people come into our lives, do they find God living there? 
What does Hebrews chapter 3 mean? It means a few things. But Hebrews chapter 3 makes an important shift in topic. You may remember Pastor Aaron walked us through first couple of chapters in the book of Hebrews. And the first two chapters are mostly about how Jesus Christ is superior to the angels. In particular, the fact that Jesus is fully human is what allows him to be our ultimate example, our high priest and the captain of our salvation. This is what's talked about in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. And here in chapter 3, the subject turns to explain how Jesus is also superior to Old Testament figures such as Moses. And as I mentioned, as we got started, uh, it helps us to understand who this was written to in the moment. Because you and I, we stand on the other side of this situation and we realize that Moses was not the cat's meow, so to speak. He was a great guy, as Hebrews chapter 3 points out. He was faithful in the house of God. He pointed people to the things that God would say and do. But he was not the one who actually did them themselves. What does that have to do for you and I? Well, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I can sometimes get hung up on great people. And I think we ought to give honor where honor is due. But at the end of the day, I need to look more to what they're pointing at and who they're pointing to than focusing on them. I have a few great preachers that I admire, like many of us. There's some people that I look up to in my world. They might be somewhat of a Moses complex, if you will. But before I get too far off the beaten path, how many of us know that people fail you? Even the greatest fail us. And if we're following a little too closely, we can follow in their footsteps, if you know what I mean. I think it's important to, to follow good people only so far as to know where God is leading. But according to this chapter, Moses' works were important but they don't compare to those of Jesus. Like a house, Moses was a created thing. Say, I am a created thing. That's right. I am a created thing. Jesus, as the builder of all things, including the house, is worth far more glory and honor. That's what Hebrews chapter 3 tells us. So what is the writer trying to tell us? He brings this contrast first about the angels. And now he's bringing this contrast about a great man who was very important to their culture. Moses pointed to great things which God would do, but Jesus actually did those things. Moses was a powerful and faithful servant in the house of God, but Jesus is the son in the house of God. And driving that analogy home, the author of Hebrews gives this next warning to Christians. He uses the incident of Israel's failure to trust God, which 
resulted in their wandering the desert for 40 years. How many of you have been wandering in a place for 40 years? That's a long time. I don't know about you, but after about four years, I'm deciding it's this wilderness experience is over for me. I'm looking for a new way. Something better, something different. But there have been low moments in my life where good was acceptable. I want you to hear the distinction. Good was acceptable. The challenge that God had meant maybe struggle beyond what I wanted at the moment. How many of you have discovered there's a big difference between good and God? You know what I mean. There's a difference between what we call good and what God has. Life can get tiresome sometimes and sometimes good is just good enough. Until we're pressed and we're challenged like the writer in Hebrews is doing. And the Holy Spirit, remember that phrase? Let your ears hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is the uncomfortable part about being a Christ follower is that the Holy Spirit is always compelling us to keep on going, keep on pursuing, keep on trusting. Oh my gosh, not that word. Is it no wonder why trust is one of the hardest things for us as human beings to do? We hold it in high regard when we say we trust each other, right? It's always the last part of the conversation when you're talking with somebody and you're trying to encourage them and you try to say, hey, you know what? We're just trusting God. As if we have any other choice. I'm trusting God. Well, good. Now you're going to get to see the cool stuff happen. Because <laughs> guess what? In all of the time that we spent not trusting God, it was boring. Because who's who we were really trusting? I'm trusting my husband. I'm trusting my wife. And while we should find some trust in there, ultimately, their job is a bit like Moses. To point us to who we can really hang our hat on. He's the builder of the house. Home is where you what? Hang your what? That's pretty cool right there, isn't it? Mm. He uses the incident of Israel's failure in this chapter. Israel's failure to trust God, which resulted in their wandering in the desert. For 40 years. Numbers chapter 13 and 14 describes how Israel came to the border of the promised land and then lost faith. Another way you might say is they lost trust. They saw the circumstances, they saw the giants, they saw the cool stuff, but they saw the obstacles. And that's what rose above. And that's when the idea of trusting God's word. 
that he had a plan and a purpose and a promised land for them. They were still getting fed in the desert. They still had Moses. They still had what they felt was good leadership, fair leadership. It was good enough for some. At least we don't have to go back to Egypt. Do you remember them talking about that? At least we won't be slaves anymore as if that's the pinnacle of all that God has for you and I. At least I'm saved. At least I'm not uh, 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 in the prison. At least I have a decent paying job. We aren't to live from the perspective of the least of things. We've been called in an abundant life. We've been called to live in abundance, to live a life that is attractive through the power of the Holy Spirit that others say, what in the world do you have? I gotta come into your house. I gotta figure out what's going on in there. Instead of trusting God for victory, they doubted that they could defeat the giants of Canaan. And as a result, God disciplined the nation of Israel. All but a tiny remnant of the nation would wander the desert until they died, never seeing the ultimate victory God had offered. I don't know about you, but I sort of want to see all that God has planned out for for my life. It's tiring sometimes. Remodeling gets tiring sometimes. When you're laying up underneath the kitchen sink area and you're trying to get those little tiny screws off from the bottom of the sink, why in the world anybody would make that design? I can't imagine, but they did. And that's what you've got to go through and you're dripping with the stuff from somebody else's, you know what, coming down in your face because they didn't plumb it right. And I could go on and on and on. And now I'm just telling you all about my experience over the last few days. Remodel works tough. But God's building a house. And it's our life. And he's like, I want to come in. I want to do some work. Is that okay? It's not work for nothing. It's work for a purpose that's higher than any purpose we could ever imagine. It's the purpose of the kingdom of God. It's life transformation on steroids for the whole world. To see that there's grace, there's mercy, there's more tolerance, if you will, under the grace of God than our world could ever imagine or manipulate. It looks different. It means we've got to change some things. It means we need to rethink, reimagine Get connected to God's heart where the principles might collide with our own made up ones. But I can tell you this much. My house isn't done yet, but the foundation is feeling good and solid. 
I can look at the members and I can tell you that some of them are real strong. This is the kind of house God builds. I think we see the wrath of God talked about in this chapter because from a father's perspective, he makes this claim when he says, I am not a man that I should lie. That's the separation of a divine God and man himself. Yeah, we sometimes embellish. We lie about things. And he's saying, I, I, I don't lie. An Israelite, I promised you the land of Canaan. And, I, and I've walked you through and here we are 40 years deep. Do you know that historians will tell us that if the Israelites would have just gone from Egypt into the land of Canaan, it would have literally taken them about two weeks. About two weeks. I look at that scenario and I wonder how long I have wandered around when it could have taken less time had I just trusted God fully. I've got a sense and a feeling that there may be some in the house today They're wondering how long they're going to be where they are. And I wonder how necessary it is. God knows who he is. God is sure about what he says. He can and will accomplish all he has said. And the only question otherwise is do we believe this? Hebrews chapter 3 ends with this issue of them not walking into the promised land based upon the fact that they had unbelief. Unbelief. Not unbelief in God. Not unbelief whether or not he existed. But unbelief in what he said would actually happen. Theologically, I think this is an important note. This kind of doubt doesn't necessarily imply a loss of salvation. Remember, these are the people of God. That's the context. He has already saved them out of Egypt. That's the analogy that the Old Testament makes to us and also in the book of Hebrews that Egypt was the salvation analogy. So here we are talking about purpose analogy. What does God have planned for my life, for this house to do while I'm here? And we risk missing it based on if we believe One, he has a great purpose for our life. And two, he's going to guide us through and to it. 
The context of Israel's experience following the story of the Exodus in the book of Exodus, go back and read it, is salvation, represented by the Passover escape from Egypt. God did not send Israel back to the Egyptians when they doubted. Instead, he withheld from them the victory of entering the promised land. For the same reason, Canaan cannot be seen as a metaphor for heaven here. There were still battles to fight and struggles to experience, even for those who held to their faith. Now, what happens when we go to heaven? I realize this is a sticky theological point, but what does the Bible tell us about heaven, the experience of heaven, that there's going to be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears? So when they go to the land of Canaan, they still got battles to fight. This is not what the Bible teaches us in our experience as far as heaven is concerned. So this is a matter of purpose that we're dealing with here. And that's the challenge that the writer of Hebrews is facing us with. Because he's already already discussed the issue of salvation in chapters 1 and 2. We're moving on by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you remember, as we read in Hebrews chapter 3, he says, The Holy Spirit is speaking. Hear what he has to say. This is presuming that those that are listening already have a dial in with the voice of God. He's speaking to you and I. You remember the scripture tells us that the world has trouble hearing the Holy Spirit. As you and I believers, we shouldn't be having this much trouble. Our issue is believing, moving forward, trusting God. So in context, this warning is not, like I said, as much about salvation rather than the loss of fellowship, reward, spiritual purpose, and inheritance, which occurs when we doubt God's word. This is true for us today. You see, this warning, it goes out to us still. Not because we serve an egotistical God who thinks, how dare you doubt me? but a father who is longing to guide and direct us towards all he has built for us. You see, this reflects a similar idea as the warning given in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where it says, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God's message regarding our salvation cannot be neglected without consequences. And in the same way, our trust in his word and his message and his purpose for our life cannot be set aside without there being a price to pay. The overarching principle in Hebrews chapter 3 is stating a Fairly simple, fairly simple one. Moses was a great guy, and God absolutely used him. 
But Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And God is simply saying in Hebrews chapter 3, Jesus is better. So follow him. You followed Moses under my command, but Jesus is better. So follow him. The analogy which serves as a warning for us today is really, really clear. We can put our hope in great people, a great job, circumstances, earthly investments, and build our own temporary housing, or we can trade up for the inheritance. How many would say, I want the inheritance? I want the inheritance. I know some of you would say, I'm not a greedy person. I am. I want it all. I want all God has for me. And if all that it is, is a humble life here on this earth, and then to go meet him in the air, I will live it faithfully. I will walk it out. I will say, use me, God. Use me, my brokenness. Use me, my frailty. Use me any way you can. Oh, Lord, I can't sing that well. Oh, my goodness, there's people that are 10 times more talented than me. Oh, my goodness, Lord, I'm getting fat and I'm getting old and I don't feel very good. Well, a little transparency never hurt anybody. Matter of fact, I like it when you do that because guess what? In that, my power is known because in your weakness, he is strong. I sense that the Holy Spirit is encouraging some people today. Wow, you're right, Pastor Michael. I still got a great purpose for my life. Yeah, I've got some carpet that needs to be relayed. I've got some things that need to be torn up and kind of shifted around, but it's all right. I'm leaning into the Holy Spirit. I've heard remodels are in season. kingdom of God is our purpose. The kingdom of God is the house that God is trying to use us to build. He comes in and he, he, he moves things around and he shifts the things that need to be shifted and he clears out the things that need to be cleared out so that his purpose can be lived out. Not only so that we can have a life of abundance, but so that we can point people to the one who is abundance. We are called to be faithful to the house, in the house, around the house, in the house, be the house. For a purpose that's not the same as ours. It's God's purpose. And it's a privilege for us to be part of seeing people's lives changed here on earth, to get to know the the beginning, the intro steps. I don't know about you, but as you see people come to the altar and and get saved and and their lives begin to change and we gotta walk through them with some things and we we pour grace and love and mercy over their life and we keep inviting them in and, and we do the things that we're called to do as kingdom people. What a privilege, isn't it? If 
Finally, I want to circle around back to this issue of rest that's mentioned in verse 18. I think it's interesting that one of the greatest issues that our world is facing today is the overwhelming sense of anxiety and fear and restlessness. We are constantly under pressure to to do better, get more, be more, all that we know we can't without God. We can be busy beyond all ability to do things well, and yet we have been promised an inheritance. Like I said, I'm, I'm all for a great side hustle. And I'm, I'm all for being proactive. But at the same time, this must be done in concert and in submission to the builder's blueprint. To the builder's blueprint. As believers, we are awakened to the work of the kingdom of God. As your relationship grows, hopefully, with God, you've seen some of your own priorities change. You've seen some of your own focuses take a back seat. And you've got to enjoy watching the focus of of Jesus rise in front of your eyes to a point where some of us would say we would rather his will be done than mine own. See, here's one of the things I believe that the writer of Hebrews, and I say it that way because if you've also read the book of Hebrews, you know that we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's interesting that we can only lean on the Holy Spirit to help us walk us through this book of the Bible. We can't get all hung up on Paul, the great apostle. We can't get hung up on Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or or any of the other great writers of the Gospels. I believe very much as on purpose in the fact that we do not know and we have, to, we have to ask God, what do you mean by this? We're still called to fill the house of God, to be the house of God and to rest on the firm foundation of our faith and dependence on the solid rock of Jesus. Anything outside of that will result in a restlessness to our heart and our house. We vacillate in this world, do we not? And hopefully, we're drawn back by the Holy Spirit each and every time we find ourselves, why am I so restless? Why am I so filled with fear and anxiety? Holy Spirit, I need you. Speak to me now. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the Son of the living God, we have been grafted into his family, been made children of God ourselves, having legal right to the spiritual inheritance. This is what it means to be in the will of God. I want to be in his will. 
I want to be in his will. I want when they pull that thing out and they start reading. Oh, I see him right there. He's right up at the top, number three, right under the Holy Spirit. It'll be the first time ever where the name starts with a W. I can relate to the guys that start with Z. I'm with you. But when we live this out, we are saying, yes, I believe this. And unbelief doesn't have to be an issue for you and I. And so, maybe you're asking, well, how can I know that I am in the right house? I'm really glad you've asked. How can I know that I'm in the right house? This one has red carpet and red pews. That's how I know. Mm. Real quick, I want to give you three things. When difficulty arises, what's my response? You're like, what does that have to do with Hebrews chapter 3? confidence in Christ or fear of the unknown we get hung up on things we don't even know is your confidence in Christ or are you wrapped up in fear of the unknown when it comes to our relationships is God's love my end goal Is God's love my end goal? When I meet somebody or I'm continuing relationship with somebody, whether it's family, friends, work person, you name it. How do I know what kind of house is being built and developed inside of me? Is my end goal to love them like the Father has loved me? That helps to clue me in on what's really going on in my life, who I'm listening to, the most what am I believing for and where uncertainty is prevalent how's my peace holding up I can tell you full transparency in this season of transition peace has been one of them things I've been trying to use a treble hook to grab a hold of because while I know God is in control I know where the steering wheel is too some of you know what I mean. I feel pretty good as long as I can keep my left hand just... Huh? <laughs> you know, right? How do I know these are great ways for me to be able to evaluate my house? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Many of you know this well. But God has not given us a spirit. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that we're listening to and what the writer of Hebrews tells us in this beginning part, right? The Holy Spirit speaking. And he says this, that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is the clue. So today I want to tell you, if you're 
struggling, I want to encourage you to relocate to the place of rest. Relocate to the place of rest. To remember that your inheritance is found in Christ. Your purpose, your place, everything is found in him. This is what the Holy Spirit speaking to us today as you go ahead and you stand with us. We're going to ask the prayer team, if they would, those that will stand in the gap with folks today. And we're going to do just that. We're going to take a moment. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit, teach us some things. Worship team's going to guide us through a song. Why don't we let this be yet another day where we let God do some shifting, some moving, some building. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.